Hi, drama listeners. Connor here. Before we get into this iconic new episode with Renaissance woman Bonnie McKee, we want to tell you all about our Patreon. We release several bonus episodes every month, so you get twice the drama for just $5. That's right. $5 for over 50 bonus episodes, and you also get access to our close friends on IG. It's big T, and it's big drama. Patreon.com backslash the drama podcast for all the extra drama. Now, let's get to the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star, star will we, we talk, talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater. Pop culture. Love and life in New, New York, York City. City. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. Connor, this is a really exciting day, but we are also on the heels of some very exciting news in the theater pop culture crossover world. I know. This is the the most anticipated movie musical of our lives. Finally yes. has cast its two witches, the wicked film, which I guess has been in development since 2004. Crazy. Yeah, it's, I never thought it was actually going to happen. And I still have friends who are like, oh, it's still not even going to happen. But <laughs> we have, we can picture two people now. We have Cynthia Erivo as Elphaba and Ariana Grande as Glinda. Dylan, where were you when the Wicked News dropped? Because I feel like I'll never forget that moment for the rest of my life. I was leaving a production of The Prom the musical oh how was yes. this it was yeah. a national tour amazing yeah it was a national tour in good old cleveland ohio but it was it, it broke the internet oh my god totally people are still talking about it today i haven't felt that high since that night that trump had covid <laughs> <laughs> you know you remember that night <laughs> i remember it like it was yesterday we were all like oh my god it's going down i know i'm so excited i think i i'm i'm, I'm glad cynthia revo was such an amazing singer and she's going to slay yeah. these songs and Ariana is like a real life Galinda, no? Especially at the beginning. I think that it should be able to bring her her experiences to the role. And, you know, people people have lots of opinions about these these this casting. And I think it's a smart move to have names. I, there hasn't been a movie musical made over the last decade or two that haven't had celebs in the roles. So totally. That's I think really it would true. be naive to think it was going to be, you know, unknowns. You're not going to give unknowns these roles when it's, there's a lot at stake here. This is like we said, the biggest movie musical in a while. So oh, totally. it's going to be amazing. And also it's not going to come out for a long time. So I know it could be years. It could mm -hmm. be years. I'm really excited. Me it's going to be great. I'm, I'm wondering about Ariana's soprano. You know, Glinda sings some high notes there at the beginning. And, well, and... Ariana has some whistle tones, so you never know. <laughs> True. She does. She does. We'll see. Um, but Dylan, I'm really excited because speaking of powerful vocalists and powerful vocalists. performers, I'm really gagged about our guest today because we've been fans for so long and she's written some of our favorite songs of all time. Especially a song that she actually sings on, which the summer of 2014, this was one of our anthems when mm -hmm. we were frolicking around as orientation leaders on campus. It was American Girl. It was, it still to this day makes me, it's, it's euphoric. That's the perfect word for it. It's mm -hmm. like, you're with your girls, you're in the car, it's a summer evening, the wind is blowing, you're like probably going to get ice cream or something, just like singing. It's that vibe. And I literally am transported back to that summer every time I hear that I know, song. I'm going to sob. I'm going to sob. Why don't you bring in our guest? Okay. Because we have much to discuss, including 
non-musical project that she's working on currently. Ooh, yes. We have a Renaissance woman on our hands. But mm-hmm. anyway, our guest today is perhaps best known as a Grammy-nominated songwriter who co-penned 10 number one singles and counting, as well as a massive song collection that has sold more than 30 million copies worldwide. She's a singer, classically trained pianist, indie artist, visionary, and pop rebel queen. You'll undoubtedly know her collaborations with Katy Perry, Kelly Clarkson, Britney Spears, Tao Cruz. Tao? Tao? I forget. Kesha, Cheryl Cole, Charlie Puth, Adam Lambert, Christina Aguilera, Carly Rae Jepsen, Ellie Goulding, Cher, and so many more icons. Her music is featured in film, TV, commercials, all of it. As an actress, you might know her from August Rush, Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, Royalties, CSI, New York, Fashion Police, and more. She recently wrote, directed, starred, edited, produced, and scored her own short film titled April Kills the Vibe. The short has been winning and earning nominations around the short film circuit and is going to play next month at the Oscar qualifying St. Louis Film Festival. We are so gagged to be joined by this American girl. Please welcome to drama, Bonnie Bonnie McKee. Hey guys. Wow. What an introduction. Thank you so much. Of course. It is. It's surreal to be sitting here and talking to you and also be joined by a fellow redhead. Oh, yes. We got together, you know? (laughs) We really do. Bonnie, are you well? Am I well? I'm well. I'm well. You know, I I try to put uh, self-care high on my priority list. It it slips sometimes, but because I'm a workaholic, you know. But um, Clearly, based on the bio that Connor just (laughs) you you are a workaholic. And you literally look younger than us. And like, I don't even know what the secret is. But please don't say water and sleep um, <laughs> that is the secret not sleep because i never sleep so okay, okay well there you go already debunking <laughs> these myths and you're of course on the west coast right yes i am yeah sunny california are you in la i'm in la yeah oh my goodness mm-hmm. we were chatting beforehand with Lindsay, who is always here in spirit about the different vanderpump owned restaurants in like the west hollywood area have you ever been yeah. to like sir or pump or tom tom i've been to pump once for a friend's birthday party but um i don't frequent the celebrity hangouts that much but yeah, all, I'm, all my friends were very impressed when we went and, you know, spotted the people. I don't watch the show. Okay. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not big into it. But I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we were talking about American Girl earlier. And I truly, I don't even remember who introduced me to the song. But I have to just thank you for writing it because it has brought me so much joy. I mean, amongst your other songs. But American Girl is a bop. Thank you so much. You know, when you were talking about your description of listening to it in the summer with the friends in the car, like that makes me so happy. That's really like what I hope to hear when I write a song. That's what I picture in my head, you know? Oh yeah. That to me is like the Americana, like Midwest vibe. <laughs> like, you know, it's captured in like movies all the time of like this, that vibe. And obviously your music has been in so many different movies, TV shows and everything. So you just have this way of really capturing a feeling in your music. It's it's really it's really powerful. Thank you so much. You know, when I write songs, I I usually picture either a music video or like a scene in a movie that it could belong in. So I love pairing a visual with with a song. Wait, that is so cool. I don't know if like because you know obviously MTV isn't necessarily, you know, always playing music anymore. It plays that weird show all the time now, but uh, RIP. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but something that we do with our friends is we will have music video nights. We will just sit at, on the couch and watch videos. And there's so many that are constantly in rotation, but I don't want to say it's a dying art, but I just feel as though it's just not 
like I'll, I'll hear a song and I'll say to my friend, oh my God, have you seen the video? And they'll say no. Mm -hmm. And I think, oh, that's so weird. Like to me, they always go hand in hand. I know. And I, I feel like you really get to know the artist better by seeing what kind of visuals they do, you know, and it can also really bring a lot more to a song. Like there's some songs that over the years where I would hear it and be like, oh, that's cool, whatever. And I'll see the video and be like, oh, damn, like this is this is a moment. This is a pop culture moment, oh, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like people aren't as interested in videos as they used to be, which really breaks my heart because that's really what inspired me to want to get into music was watching the music videos, honestly. Oh, my God, oh, that's really cool. That's like almost our perfect segue to a question we ask all of our guests. We like to know about that moment you were inspired or you had that recognition where you realized, oh my gosh, I am obsessed with either like pop culture, the arts, whatever. Do you, we call it a ring of keys moment. Do you feel like you had that moment, Bonnie? Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, I, I was raised by a television, like I say, an American girl. <laughs> Um, I grew up watching MTV and um, music videos, and that was really like what inspired me. It was such a, a magical, mystical thing, you know, watching these these different worlds and the characters the artists would play. But the one performance that really got me inspired and, and made me realize that I wanted to do that was the Tina Turner performance of Proud Mary. I think it was like an HBO special or something. And when she started dancing and singing and flipping her hair, I was like so excited. I, I remember I was just a little kid and I jumped up off the couch and was like, I, I started like crying because I was so excited. And I was just like, How? I want to make people feel like that. And I want to feel like that, you know, just watching somebody shine so bright. And I also loved Madonna and Michael Jackson and Prince and watching their videos just like really shaped me where I, I kind of lived in a music video fantasy of my own for most of my childhood. Oh, that's so cool. I, you are certainly an 80s girl. I can tell by all these influences yeah. here. Madonna. So was this like blonde ambition? Was this like that era or? Yeah, I remember the first video because she started, she was, you know, I was born in 1984. So she was already like mm -hmm. doing her thing by the time I was like, old enough to comprehend anything. But I loved like a prayer. And I remember she wore like a black slip and was like running through outside with burning yes. crosses and stuff. And I would like steal my mom's black slip and run around the house and like lay on the piano. And like, my mom was always like, God, oh, you're such a diva. So <laughs> dramatic. I love it. I was like being, trying to be sexy. I didn't even know what that was, but I was just like, I want to move my body uh -huh. like that. Like I want to like, Stare into the lens and, you know, make people feel something. Now, would you make your family watch you, like, perform, sing, dance around the house? Yeah, some, but, you know, we had a karaoke machine, like, the kind with two cassettes. Uh -huh. So I would I would sit people down and make people watch, watch me <laughs> sing. Yeah. That's uh -huh. so cute. When did you realize you could sing? I mean, I started singing, I, this, it's so cliche to say, but really as soon as I could talk. Like, I really, really loved it. And um, my mom said that I was like singing and humming and stuff before I could really form sentences. Wow. My dad is very musical and um, I grew up, you know, singing with him and doing the karaoke machines. And I joined a choir, a community choir when I was a kid and I stayed in choir. I was like a full choir geek up until the point I was like 16. I was in a competitive choir in Seattle um, called the Seattle wow. Girls Choir. And we recorded albums and we sang for the Pope and we toured Europe. And that was like a very formative experience for me. Did you ever have like any theater experiences doing any plays or musicals? Yeah. Um, when I was in elementary school, I was Annie in the school play. Oh, and yes, you know, I never, I never did anything like professional with the city or anything like that. Actually, I, I auditioned for the, I, like I really wanted to act, but I was really painfully shy 
And I did an audition and they were like, great, she can sing, but like, can't really. I was like, just like, I think I read a monologue from Anne Frank or something. And I just was so concerned about remembering the words that I just like was very wooden, you know? And so they sent me to some drama classes, drama. And and I sort of just started learning the basics of just, you know, playing the games or whatever. But um, music was my first passion. And so that kind of took over and I didn't really get into acting for real until I moved to Los Angeles at 16. And I had such terrible stage fright. When I signed my record deal, uh, the label sent me to acting classes because they said that it helped me. And guess what? When I went on my first audition, I was like, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And then singing was just like a breeze hmm. where I was like, I know I can sing. So this is easy. This is fine. Yeah, <laughs> so interesting. It definitely helped me with my stage fright wow. for sure. And of course, I have so many questions just about the years that you were kind of coming up in LA and the music industry. But the acting aspect is so funny because now you've acted and starred in not one, but two roles in your, in your short April kills the vibe, which Connor and I had a little sneak preview. We got a little advanced <laughs> viewing and I just have uh-huh. to say, I am blown away. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Aesthetically. It is gorgeous. <laughs> I was just going to say that the, the aesthetic, something about the way it was filmed and the music, which I know you wrote, it just, it were, it, it flowed so perfectly. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really am so passionate and excited about filmmaking. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you noticed that it's aesthetically pleasing. (laughs) Like, it's funny because, you know, I've I've written a few things and this is the first thing that I've made. And in my head, it's always very fantastical. And a lot of the other stories that I've that I've written are a little more in the fantasy realm um, or like sci-fi or whatever. I mean, (laughs) when I make music videos and stuff, they always seem to take a weird sort of sci-fi twist. (laughs) And so to make a film that really took place in real in reality, um, I was like disappointed that I couldn't do something more fantastical visually. Um, and so it's nice to hear that somebody thinks it's pretty looking because I was just like, is this just so basic? No. Like, no. <laughs> especially the contrast of the two different scenes that we have that, that are presented. And you know, everyone was saying during quarantine, Shakespeare wrote Macbeth during the plague. Like, what will you work on? Maybe this is your this is your Macbeth that because this was born out of the quarantine, right? That's right. Yeah, I was really honestly, I was like sitting around in quarantine, and you know, I, I was still writing songs and stuff, but I couldn't perform. I couldn't really do much. And I think everybody sort of had that moment where they sat down and were like, what really makes me happy? What do I really want to do with my life? Like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, hopefully, fingers crossed, where we get to be quiet. And it's like God reached down and pushed the pause button on the rat race for a second. And you can really reflect and think about what you want to do. And I was like, you know, I really want to do more acting. So I was originally just going to shoot something for my acting reel. And I had some scenes that my acting coach had given me. And I was just like, none of this really speaks to me. And it required me finding another actor to do a scene with. Like, how was I going to rehearse in the quarantine, you know? And also, I just was like, I don't really get to shine in these scenes. Like, this isn't giving me what I want. So I was like, well, I'll just write my own damn scene. I'll write the the thing that I want to see, the thing that I want to play. And I started writing a scene and then it turned into a short film. And I was like, well, why not? What else have I got to do right now? Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm really so grateful. It's been so much fun being a rookie in a new industry, you know, because there's no expectations. Like nobody's like, oh, that didn't perform as well as the last thing. Like I get to be the new kid on the block 
And after 20 years of being in the music industry, that's really a breath of fresh air for me. Yeah. Wow. That's a really interesting way to put it. Because, I mean, as you mentioned, you were 16 when you moved to L.A. And that's when you had your first record deal. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it's interesting just to think about it in that way, to start over in a sense. I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah, it's nice. And like, I'm, I'm a grown ass woman and I've, I've been on many sets and I've, I've been in movies and TV shows and I've made a whole lot of music videos. And so I, I have a lot of experience on sets and, you know, creating visual art. So I, I just had to learn how to write a screenplay. <laughs> yeah. And I have to, <laughs> how yeah, did yeah, you? I was going to say, where did, where did that come from? Because the way that it unfolds, it feels so real. Oh my God. I was sick to my stomach. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. It's true. I'm serious. Thank you. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way, yes. <laughs> You're like, yes, that's exactly no, what I wanted not. people to experience. No, but it felt so, it, it hit you in the gut. I don't know. It was really, really powerful. Thank you. Yeah, it was a very cathartic experience for me because, you know, the film is based on a true story. Mm-hmm. I am April and I, uh, I'm i a recovering alcoholic and uh, I'm going to be 10 years sober in February. Hey. Um, wow. Thanks. So this was like the story of one of many rock bottoms where I drank too much at a New Year's Eve party. I blacked out and I woke up and realized that I had been sexually assaulted, but I couldn't remember what had happened. So I called my partner in crime the next morning, my friend that I'd gone out with and asked her what had happened and uh, was met with a whole lot of slut shaming. And um, it was very confusing and a lot of, you know, the blame game of like, why did you leave me? And then, you know, well, you got too drunk. And it's like everybody's blaming all the wrong people when it's like there's really only one person to blame. And that is the person that did that. Right. It was an interesting experience to sort of explore the aftermath of the assault and not necessarily show the assault itself. Because um, that's a that's I mean, and the aftermath is kind of just as grueling as the act itself. You know? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And as, as April is discovering, you know, the different marks and sort of trying to piece it together, the the way that you unfold the emotions of, are you having a panic attack? Like, you know, kind of being like, this can't be happening. Is this real? You said so much without, like, there wasn't a lot of dialogue there. You know, it, it, it was really, really jarringly accurate. I mean, I think that a lot of people are going to relate to this, sadly, but also it's, it's going to speak to people and so many different places in their lives. And I think you, you really, really captured it. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for making it and for honestly being brave enough to share your story because it's definitely a common story, I think. And it's just hard for people to come to terms with it and tell and speak about it. Yeah. And you know, it's, I've done a lot of interviews and stuff about this and it kind of depends on who I'm talking to, like how comfortable I feel just sort of bearing it all. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I'm just like, is this like the moment to talk about sexual assault? Like sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like a burden, like talking about, you know, where it'll be like a fun show. And then I'm like, here's like a downer (laughs) for you, you know, but you know, the, the message behind it is hope and perseverance and um, recovery and healing. And so, you know, it it is like, it does have sort of a semi-happy ending um, where she she ends up going to a meeting at the end and um, and getting sober, so. Mm -hmm. Oh, and and that, the the character of, is he, is he a boyfriend or just a a best friend or partner? Yeah, it's actually my real life boyfriend. (laughs) 
No way. No way. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had never done any dramatic acting before in his life. And um, at the last minute, like, because originally I just had her wake up and next to a sleeping man. Mm. And I was like, can you just like, feel, can you just be the body in the bed? Like I need, you know, <laughs> cause it was quarantine, you know? And, um, and I was also shooting it as his, at his apartment, that scene. Okay. And, and he was like, sure. And then the last minute I was like, I need to give this person, this character a storyline because there, there was a whole story of just like, you know, when you have a partner and something like this happens, it's like, you're even more ashamed because it's like, oh, did you cheat? Did you, you know, what do you call this? How do you explain yourself to somebody? Yeah. So I, I, I threw like a pretty heavy script at him and he pulled it together and he actually ended up winning best actor in a couple of different film festivals. So I'm really proud of him. That's incredible. And then you've won a few awards too, though. Like you won best newcomer director, right? Yes. I just won my 42nd award. Oh my goodness. And oh my God. Really insane. Like I, when I made it, I, I wasn't even thinking about film festivals. It was kind of just like a project in quarantine. And then I was like, this is pretty good. Like maybe I should try to get into a film festival. And the only film festivals I had ever heard of are like Sundance and like Cannes and, you know, <laughs> and, and I was like, I, I mean, and it, the deadline was like, you know, a month after I had finished it or I was after I'd shot it. Sure. And so I like pulled it together. And I was like, I'm just going to try for a Hail Mary, you know? Um, and then I got on this site, Film Freeway, which is like a, a hub for how to submit to different uh, film festivals. And I was like, oh, my God, there's like thousands of film festivals. So I was like, well, whatever. I'll just like throw out a wide net, like not expecting to get into anything, really. And then I ended up getting into a whole bunch of them and winning a whole bunch of awards. And I was pretty overwhelming, having no idea. Because there's a whole strategy mm-hmm. to film festivals and stuff that I had no idea about it. But yeah, I just, I've won a whole lot of awards. I was, I won Best First Time Director, yes. Best Female Director, Best Actress, uh, Best Duo, one of them. <laughs> and yeah, Best Score. I mean, it, it was really cool. And that's the thing. Like, if this wasn't my first short film, like, I don't know that I would have won much. But because I'm a newcomer, they're like, this is pretty good for your first time. <laughs> yeah, for your first time. <laughs> yes. Of course, then there, there, yeah. Then of course, there Thank is you. that pressure that you mentioned about what comes next of... Yeah. People will base it on this and whatnot. But I think that you have such a, a wide breadth of experiences and, you know, visions. You even mentioned like you love sci-fi twists and whatnot that I don't think you're ever going to do the same thing twice, you know, no matter what it is that you do. I mean, I've, I've definitely noticed themes like when I'm writing music video treatments or like working on these scripts or whatever, I'm like, oh yeah, I keep kind of coming back to some of the same things just visually. But, you know, you try it in one place, it doesn't work and then you throw it in something else. I think that's what all artists do where it's like, you know, you have recurring themes or whatever. Yeah. Now, have you sort of like become yeah, totally. enmeshed in the short film world? Like, was that ever something that you like would like, because I, I don't really actively seek them out. I know that sometimes like movie theaters will show like all the Oscar nominated ones and whatnot. But do you feel like now you have like this like working dialogue and knowledge of the short film world? Yeah, it's really funny because when I made it, I was like, I mean, I guess I'll send this to festivals. And then I was like, but then what? Like, what, <laughs> what do I like I don't know where to watch short films other than festivals and like I only knew they existed because on the Oscars like there'd be one little thing where a short film would win something so and I still am just like I don't know I mean I know that I I finished the film festival circuit which should be done by next spring because there's really only a short window that you can submit your film Um, and then after it's two years old or a year and a half or whatever then it's not eligible for a lot of so um, I'm just sort of writing that out and then I'll see what happens but 
Uh, it's really kind of, it's not a pilot, but it's sort of a precursor to a series. I want to make a series out of April Kills a Vibe and sort of tell my story of being a recovering addict, uh, female in the cutthroat pop music world and um, all of the experiences and adventures that I've had. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I think that yeah. it's absolutely a series. Wow. I, I could see HBO snatching that up right away. And- <laughs> I mean, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> come on. Oh my God. Oh my God. Speaking of come on, I've been listening to all of your songs, <laughs> Bonnie, and you have seriously written some of my favorite songs of all time. I mean, I truly am gagged at the people you've written with for, you know, it's it's so crazy, and I love that you have. Con- it's mostly female artists, mm-hmm. which I think is so awesome. You mentioned like you know being a woman in the cutthroat music industry. I love that you you work with other women. I love working up with know? other women. Absolutely, um, that's kind of my specialty. And um, I mean, because I I think that every woman has a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, every person has a story to tell. But I think that you know, there's there are exciting stories for women to tell that they're not always brave enough to tell. And I think that I'm I'm good at sort of playing therapist and and bringing out uh, people's stories. You know, um, and I love it. I just uh, you know I have many muses over the years, and yeah, and it's just fun too. Well, I have to tell you, Teenage Dream is one of my all-time favorite albums ever. I mean, also, talk about an album that has great music videos attached to it as well. But it is so good. And when I saw the songs that you contributed to, I was like, okay, no, she's like a true storyteller. I mean, of course, ending Teenage Dream with Wide Awake, it's like... Hello. This is this is this is high art. I mean, this is just it. It's so perfect, but it's not like throwing it in your face. Like this was the dream, and we're awake from it now. Like it's it was so subtle. I mean, those songs just really capture a feeling, and which is what you do best. Which is what you do yeah, best. Well, you know, I was yeah. lucky enough to work with Katy Perry. She, I mean, I'm just there to be like a translator for her. She's an incredible songwriter in her own right. She doesn't need my help. Um, but when we get together, we really come up with some cool stuff. And the whole Wide Awake being sort of the sister song to Teenage Dream uh, was not planned, obviously. When we wrote Teenage Dream, she was engaged and very happy. And um, so Teenage Dream was kind of like, you know, young love and all that. And then when we wrote Wide Awake, she was in a different place. Mm-hmm. It's a really rare opportunity to get to sort of follow through an entire storyline with an artist in that way. Yeah. I feel really blessed that she trusted me and um, and that we were able to collaborate on that and bring that to life. That is so, that is so cool. I, I appreciate you speaking to that too. It's kind of, it kind of makes me think like musicals, you know, like how theater is, you're able to follow those stories through. And it m- reminded me, there's this musical Anne Juliet that's playing on the West End that a lot of your music is featured in. Have you gotten the chance to hear any of it or see it at all? No, I heard about it, but I haven't actually seen it. No. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I heard about it years ago when it was in development, but, um, and I think I saw like a trailer for it. Yeah. That somebody said something. Uh, how is it? Is it good? Have you seen it? We haven't seen it yet ourselves, but the the album is great. They have Roar in there and a few, a few of your other songs too. I'm, I'm there that I'm blanking on all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Is that crazy to see your songs like living out in the world all the time now? I mean, I mean, it makes me so happy. You know, I, I didn't really ever expect these songs to have those kind of, of you know, lives. <laughs> um, when I co-wrote those songs, I was just like broke and desperate and singing for my supper, you know. 
Uh, I never expected them to be like evergreen songs the way that they turned out to be. So I'm really grateful for that. I mean, many of them have even been covered on Glee. Back when Glee was on the air too. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Actually, um, Darren Chris covered Teenage Dream, uh, yeah. and that's how we met. Um, I, I met him at a party or whatever, and he was just like, "Oh yeah," like he was like, "Oh my god, I'm such a fan," and I I sang your song Teenage Dream, and I was like, "Oh yeah," I was like, "You made it go number one again." This is like years after it came out, and I was like, "Thank you so much," and we've been friends ever since. I was just um, a guest star on his show Royalties. That was Quibi, yes. RIP, but um, it was great. It's so funny. Oh my God, I had so much fun doing that. He's a genius. Yeah. I, I I love the idea of the two of you working together too, because he's there's so much, he's got a lot more to give oh, yeah. as no, well going forward. He is a real Renaissance man for sure. Yeah. So we're kind of just chatting about some of your different songs and credits and something that Connor and I would would like to do with your permission is sort of just list out a title of one of your songs and maybe hear what your memory of writing it is or a word or something that you might associate with that song, if that's okay. Sure, yeah. Well, let's let's start with we're kind of on a on a Katy Perry kick right here, but what about California Girls? What do you what do you think about like what memory does that evoke? When I think of California Girls, I think of Daisy Dukes and Popsicles. I remember we had the track and there was some there was a lot of the melody and um the Katie had worked it out with them already. And then I came in for the lyric stuff and we were originally we were playing with the idea of like je ne sais quoi like Mm -hmm. that that's something you know (laughs) that just doesn't totally appeal to the masses and so and then i was like it sounds like summertime and then we like had the the popsicle line and the daisy dukes and all that and then she came in the next morning and was like i've got it california girls and i was like why didn't i think of that and then it just sort of wrote itself we were thinking about like California in the nineties and uh nine oh two one oh and like cheaps mm-hmm. were a thing and yeah. It was just really fun to sort of like and sip and gin on gin and juice and whatever, sort of referencing all of the California in the nineties references. So that was a lot of fun because we both grew up in California. So Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love it. Oh my god, so fun. Okay, wait, what do you think of when I say teenage dream? I think of being in middle school and like sitting around with my friends fantasizing about what our first kiss would be like Mm. like we have slumber parties and then we would like lay in the dark and like explain what our first kiss would like what the scene would be and like who it would be and how it would happen and we would like practice kissing on our knees you know where you like (laughs) um so that was and i remember so vividly like gap scent uh candles (laughs) because it was like the late 90s yeah yeah, yeah. the scent of like heaven i don't know if you remember the gap scents heaven but no, no. <laughs> that's like when i think of that song i think of gap scented perfume and candles and you wrote a lot of the songs on the teenage dream album or at least like was it five of them four or five of them yeah was the album always called teenage dream or did you have any say in that or participation uh no it's kind of like you know you get the body of work done and then whichever one sort of feels like it encapsulates the whole vibe of the album ends up being the title and sometimes the title has nothing to do with mm-hmm. you know any specific songs but teenage dream just made sense i guess yeah, yeah. oh absolutely what about on this uh, the album prism the song ghost by katie perry oh yeah that one um yeah i don't want to get too specific about that yeah, but yeah. there was a boy that she was seeing that was like doing her wrong and uh i remember saying like fuck this guy sorry i don't know if i can say that you can't like fuck this guy blah 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 and then i was like 
he just wants us to write a song about him. And then months later, we were in the studio and she's like, I want to write a song about this. And I was like, he's getting what he wants. He just wanted us to write a song about him. And here we are writing a fucking song about him. I'm like, all right, whatever you want. Okay. I, so. I love that song. I love that the line, so rest in peace. I'll see you on the other side. I think that is so good. It's such a vibe. Oh, you're, you're brilliant. I love it. Okay, wait, what about Dynamite? Dynamite. You know, that's a funny one because it's kind of like the quintessential party <laughs> song. And, you know, I hear it at like, you know, big mm-hmm. games on TV. Not that I watch a whole lot of sports, but, you know, it's like the yeah. sports song. It's like the bar mitzvah song. It's the wedding song. What it's actually about, like at the time, I was really trying to get my shit together and get sober. And it's about surrender. It's about surrendering to my higher power. And like when I say I throw my hands up in the air, sometimes people are like, what is this? What is this sometimes about? And it's like, you know, when you throw your hands up in the air, sometimes like it's not like I throw my hands up in the air sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that song is actually about getting sober and surrender. Wow. It's not about partying at all. <laughs> no, now knowing that, and I'm thinking about the lyrics, that actually makes a lot of sense. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What about um, a song that maybe a lot of people in the U.S. might not know, but certainly was a hit in the U.K., I Don't Care by Cheryl Cole? Right. Yeah, that was originally a song that I wrote for myself, and I really didn't want to give it up, but it was I was kind of like just on a winning streak with having hits and stuff. And my co-writers at the time hadn't had a lot of mainstream success. They were all super talented and brilliant. And I was just like, you know what? It's like not fair for me to like hold on to this and hoard it. So, okay, let's do it. And then Cheryl took it. I mean, I, I was just, I didn't realize like what a huge star she was and like also what an incredible artist and singer and performer she is. And she took it and she she brought it to life. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it's fine. I can always do my own version or sing it live or whatever. Yeah. And I'm really grateful that I did it. And, you know, I like, ugh, I said something in an interview about it because she changed a couple of lines and I was like really upset because it was just like a kind of a personal song to me. Mm. And I like said something in an interview where I was like talking about how I was pissed about it. And that just like came back and bit me in the ass where like no one ever forgot that I said that. And I, I just feel really bad. So Cheryl, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I was just butthurt because I, <laughs> it was long to me you know but she made it her own and I'm, I'm glad she took it well you know cheryl absolutely listens to drama so we'll make sure <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I think that's i can imagine it's an emotional experience you know people uh, other songwriters i've often described songs as their kids and giving pieces of yourself away is probably difficult and i think you're allowed to have feelings about that though Bonnie. thank you well you know when i'm writing with katie or with kesha or with kelly clarkson whatever it's like, I'm, I'm there for them. And so I'm, I'm, it's their vision and I'm helping them bring that to life. But, but when it's com- coming from me, when it was something that was intended for me, then it's really hard for me to let go of something, you know? Oh, that's interesting. Wait, another true bop. Come on by Kesha. What do you think <laughs> of when, when I say this? Um, I think of Sabretooth Tigers. Um, Kesha is so talented. Oh my God. She's such a great writer. She's so much fun. I love that she, she loves the really visual lyrics the way that I do. Also another incredible songwriter that really doesn't need any help. Wow. So, and she's also just a blast. She's just such a sweetheart and we always had so much fun writing together. So yeah, she's a sweetheart. I love love to hear that. She's the real deal. I could totally hear you singing. Come on. (laughs) Uh Yeah. I love it. I really can. Yeah. (laughs) 
What about um, Hold It Against Me by Britney, who, of course, you know, she's very much in the news now, but yes. this was during the Femme Fatale album? Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 I actually was working on the album the same time that I was working on Teenage Dream with Katie. And so I was stuck on the lyric and I was like throwing around some stupid little, some like cliche pickup lines. Like, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? And um, whatever, you know, all that stupid stuff. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Katie walked in and she was wearing like a tight little dress and like looking bomb. And I, I remember I looked at her and I was like, damn, Katie, like if I told you I had a nice body, would you hold it against me? And then I was like, ding, 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 gotta go. And then I went and it fit perfectly. And that's how I wrote that song. I love that story. Oh, my God. I love, love, love. That is that's so cool. <laughs> Dylan, any other songs you want to ask about? Yeah, I have one more that I want to ask about, and that's the Rita Ora song, How We Do. Oh, yeah. Um, I wrote that one with my friend Kelly Sheehan. She's incredible. And this other, this production group out of Miami. And that was like a real group effort, you know? Rita Ora was kind of like new to the scene. And so we had no idea how big that was going to get. It ended up going number one in the UK. And Rita Ora, another brilliant performer, songwriter, singer, and just like sweet soul. Like when you see her, she's just warm. She loves to hug. She's always smiling. She's funny. She's just a pleasure to work with. I just, I love her. Uh, that's I love that chorus. Cause when the sun sets, baby, it's so good. Yeah, that's a bop. That was a, that was a team effort for sure. Team effort. Oh, you're so, you're so generous. Now with American Girl, did you write that one with any collaborators? Yes. I mean, I wrote it with Jackknife Lee, who was the producer. And I actually, I started it with a friend. Here's the thing. I started the concept for a, for Justin Bieber, like years before, because he was Canadian and like American Boy was a hit at the time. Oh, yeah. and I was like, oh, like what if it's American Girl, but it's like for a boy and he's like singing, you know? So I had like started just the very basics of the chorus, but it was for a guy. And then years later, when I was working on my own stuff, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, nobody took that. I'm gonna make it my own. And so, yeah, I wrote my own little American Girl bop. And it's funny how like misinterpreted that song gets, you know, because it's really meant it's satirical. And um, even though it sounds like a celebration of America and I am proud to be American, I, I wouldn't want to live in any other country. I do love America. I've traveled the world and I do love it here. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of problems, but it's not so bad. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's about what the experience of being a girl in America is like, which is, you know, the competitive edge kind of having to move your body to get what you want how that can open doors you know that it's just it's more than just like yay america yeah so you know when sometimes i get fan comments that are just like you know i'll, I'll be posting something else like i just posted this thing I, guys i'm new to tiktok welcome Ooh, i'll have to follow you and I just made like a little fun kind of mini short film thing for TikTok. That's where I start a cult and we pick a, a girl cult and we pick up a hitchhiker and seduce him into our cult. <laughs> and then we try to do a blood oath. He tries to escape and then we eat him for dinner. And um, I got a lot of comments from people that were like, this is not the American girl that I remember. And I'm just like, if you remember correctly, in the American Girl video, I steal a car, shoplift, blow it up, and then roast marshmallows on the burning engine. So, like, <laughs> this is pretty on brand. For, you know? um, so, I, yeah, I feel like the sort of average listener that wasn't 
listening that hard or reading the lyrics or whatever to American Girl takes it as just yay America, but there's a lot more to it than that. And I think that's throughout some of your other songs too. Like people might interpret them differently. And I think that's so interesting about music in general. But like, look at Dynamite. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you mentioned with Dynamite. Well, I mean, look, I, I co-wrote Dynamite with Tyle Cruz as well. And and so I, I wrote the hook and he wrote the verses. And so obviously he didn't know what was going through my head when I wrote the hook. Mm-hmm. And so his is really all about party time. So, you know, it, there, and by the way, he's also a great writer. And so I didn't, I didn't write the verses. And so that turned it into a party song. Probably yeah. if I had been allowed to write the verses, it would have been a little like deeper, but like it probably wouldn't have been the hit that it was if sure. it didn't have that like fun, lighthearted boppiness to it. Yeah. So he is to thank for that. You're so generous I was with gonna say that. your words. It's really, it's really nice to hear. Um, also, I know you don't watch The Housewives, but you remind me of Leah McSweeney. You I... look like her. She's stunning. She's in New York now. But Dylan, doesn't she look like Leah? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Oh my god, is, is she dramatic? No, she... oh, I just mean physically. Um, no, she's chill. She's cool. She, yeah, yeah, physically too. Yeah, but... you look. She yeah. look. You or maybe you look like each other. I don't know. It's so like I, I've, I've been sitting here like, yeah. who do you remind me of? And it's it's Leah when she has the red confessional look, Dylan. But anyway. Yeah. A real housewives doppelganger. Yeah, yeah. you do. Oh my god. Yeah. Gotta check it Coincidentally, out. <laughs> she's also sober. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Us redheads. That's you know? right. I know. I've taken it too far. <laughs> <laughs> but you've come to the right place. Um, but I, the one last thing I want to say about American Girl too is, and that's a non-album single, right? Like you, you just released that. Yeah, I was I was signed to Epic, and I had a whole album written, and that was the first single. And then I got a tour and I was getting ready to release the second single. And um, the label, after telling me that it was, you know, going to be a hit or whatever, I took it out on tour. I played it on a few radio stations and stuff and it was reacting well. And then um, the label head was just like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't believe it anymore. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I'm on a promotional tour for it that I paid for, by the way, out of pocket because they were supposed to pay me back. And then by the end of the tour, I was like, I don't want to be on this label. This is not working for mm-hmm. me. And so luckily my manager was able to negotiate for me to leave and be able to take my master's. Oh. So I still have all those masters from that album. And the fans are hungry for it because I toured with it and I played at a lot of festivals and stuff with those songs. So there's a lot of like you know, live recordings floating around online and everyone's like, when are these songs coming out? We want Slay. We want Forever 21. And like, I do want to put them out. I just want to put them out at the right time where it's not just like falling on deaf ears, you know? Yeah, that's really smart of you. Yeah, this whole master's conversation has really come into the public eye with Taylor Swift over the last couple of years too. So yeah, it happens to everyone, it seems, with these these raw deals and with JoJo. Yeah, it's. I didn't realize until I left that record deal how important the masters are because I started getting syncs and TV shows and movies and stuff, and I was like, they're like, okay, so this is your percentage of the publishing, and then here's a hundred percent of the of the masters side, and I was like, wait, what? I get like twice as much money. <laughs> Actually, you know, like, so I could survive off of just like sinks, you know? Mm -hmm. So now I understand the importance of masters. And it used to be that, you know, record labels would do, would provide a lot of services. They would do the PR and they would do the videos and they would pay for tours and da, 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 da. And you kind of needed a label in order to, to be an artist and break. But these days with streaming and social media and everything, it's like, you don't need them as much. So usually they would own a hundred percent of the master. And now artists have gotten wise to that. And so, you know, they're, they're not giving up as much of their masters. 
And um, that's really smart. And I, I think that was a really valuable lesson for me to learn and that I would tell any young artist because people are like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get a record deal. Like, yes, what do I have to do? And they'll just sign away their lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can really cost you. Yeah. And there's so many artists that I know and love, like you and Todrick Hall, who are not necessarily signed. But Oh, my God. Yeah. You two have worked together, right? Yeah. He was a guest on my um, holiday extravaganza. <laughs> Like a, a holiday special and <laughs> had all of my friends come to my house and do performances. That's so fun. Oh, that's so fun. Oh my God. <laughs> so, wow. Well, I, thank you for sharing all of these different stories. It is so cool to kind of get, go behind the music like we used to do on yeah. MTV. Or VH1, right? Um, VH1, was that what it was? Yeah, VH1. Um, okay, so before we let you go, really quick, we like to end on a dose of drama, something to leave our listeners with, maybe a, a recommendation to go check out, a fun story, something to rant about, rave about. And I'm going to kick it off today because, Bonnie, you mentioned Tina Turner earlier, mm -hmm. and I had the total privilege of seeing the Tina Turner musical on Broadway starring Adrian Warren, who just won a Tony for this performance. And it was truly unlike anything I have ever seen in my entire life. I had full body chills like four different times when she was playing this part. It was sensational. Oh my goodness. And I think she made Tina proud. It, she really was out of this world. Did she do Proud Mary? She does Proud Mary. Oh, yes, my favorite. Oh my God, so good. Simply yeah. <laughs> the best. But I will say my favorite like that she did was Private Dancer. Ah, oh, it's a good one. Such a good song. Right. Oh, so oh my good. God. Unfortunately, Adrienne left the show because she just came back to do a little bit of it post Post COVID, if is that what, people love to say post COVID, and we all say it, but then we're like, oh, it's, I guess we're not post COVID. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to, what we really call this now, but anyway, that's my dose of drama because it was truly one of the best performances I've ever seen in my whole life. It was so I'm so good. jealous. Don't you would have loved it? Do Dylan, do you have a dose of drama? I do. I picked up a book, and it is the Cecily Strong memoir. This will all be over soon. Who you know, you all know Cecily from Saturday Night Live, but this book is heartbreaking and beautiful and raw and it's centered around her experience of grief just as the pandemic was starting she lost uh, a dear dear cousin of hers to cancer and a few other things that were going on and the way that she's able to weave humor and heart into this it is something that I think I'll revisit and I think that if anyone is ever dealing with grief or loss it's honestly a bit of a guidebook because you just I think in grief, you sometimes feel alone mm -hmm. with things. And this is just a great way to remember that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. So I, I highly recommend it. This will all be over soon by Cecily Strong. I love it. Bonnie, do you have a dose of drama? Do I have a dose of drama? Yes. I watched a show called Brand New Cherry Flavor. Have you guys seen that? On no. Netflix, I believe. And it is like an amazing horror like, I, I don't know. It's great. It's the story of a young female director in the early 90s who uh, comes to L.A. and sells her short film to a, a skeezy producer. And he burns her and then she turns to witchcraft. And it's all about like Hollywood witches. Wait, it sounds amazing. <laughs> it's really, really good. And it's really visually, aesthetically incredible. So beautiful the way they shot it. And just the performances are great. It's got a, a dose of kitsch. It's a great story about like how Hollywood works and, you know, being again, a female in the cutthroat industry. Mm -hmm. And then it's just got, you know, zombies and witches and it's great. It's oh really God, I great. Love it. And like, I, have, I, haven't I, heard it. Yeah, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it, but I just was like, you know, I liked the, um, the thumbnail on Netflix. I was like, that looks pretty. Like, what's this? 
And then I was just like, damn, I had no idea what I was getting into. So I <laughs> highly recommend it. Um, it was just really exciting to see something that different and kind of out of the box randomly on. Yeah. So check it out. Wait, have you ever written any music that has been featured on a show that you absolutely love? Like, has that ever happened before where it's been like this perfect marriage? Yeah, yeah. Um, my uh, Bombastic was on oh. Girls, which was like amazing. And um, I love Bombastic. Oh my God. Have we not talked about it? Yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah that was kind of my fuck you to the industry song um, <laughs> what episode of girls was it on do you remember yeah it was on the finale of the second to the last season where she finally decides to like work out and she's like jogging and has her yes her, you know her hair i remember the scene yep. mm -hmm. and i was like oh my god because i love girls and like i always i loved the soundtrack it was like if you got on girls then you were like somebody you know Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was definitely a moment. Uh, you have had so many amazing, like, probably, like, pinch me moments, but I know that many more are to come, Bonnie. Um, of course, everyone should keep up with you at Bonnie McKee on Twitter and Instagram. And then is your TikTok also the same? Yes, it is. Just check it out at Bonnie McKee. And uh, oh, check man. out my new little, like, weird short film that I thing that I did for TikTok. It's a one-minute little thing. And um, I don't know. The production value is pretty high. I, you know what? I just, again, I'm bored. And I'm like, what can I create out of that? Right. I love it. <laughs> And now will will people have the opportunity to see April Kills the Vibe anywhere? Yes, you can go to uh, aprilkillsthevibe.com and check out the different festivals that it's playing at. They're most them are virtual festivals so you can just log in and you know buy a ticket for whatever. And then eventually I guess it'll come out, but in, probably until the springtime you're going to have to do yeah. the virtual festivals which are actually really fun. There's so many short films in the world that I didn't even know about. <laughs> So it's yeah. really cool to see like emerging filmmakers and uh, see things that you don't normally see. You know, it's an interesting way to tell a story. Well, I'm sure the next time that we we speak, you'll have another, you've doubled the number of awards you've won for the film because <laughs> this, this next one is an Oscar qualifying yes, round. Yeah, right? the St. Louis Film Festival is um, an Oscar qualifying festival. This is my third Oscar qualifying festival, but I have to actually win something in this festival for it to okay. qualify. But either way, I'm just really grateful and like shocked that I got into a festival of, or festivals of this caliber, you know? Um, so I'm just proud to be there. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. um, people can go and check it out. And you know that the quality of the other films in this festival are going to be high. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So check it out. St. Louis Film Festival. Love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Bonnie. This was like such a treat for Connor and I. Uh, you can't tell we are fans. <laughs> so <laughs> Really great. You guys are great interviewers and you're a treat to talk oh. to you. Thank you so oh much. Goodness, that's so sweet. <laughs> while you're at it, while you're following Bonnie on social media, everyone should, of course, be following us at the Drama Podcast. Me at Dylan McDowell and Connor at Connor McDowell. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.